0: Welcome to My Public Life as an American Nerd. I am your host, David K. Montoya. All right, gang. We made it to another Wednesday, didn't we? Um, it's been a, a week and we'll cover all of that. It's, uh, oh goodness, I don't even know where really where to start. It's It's just been an emotionally charged week. Um, I think what I need to to really just put out there is um, I I had made mention on my social social media pages that um, I've been having issues with a stalker, and I just I don't get the whole stalking mentality. I mean, okay, fine. I'm the type of person, I, I like to entertain more so than be entertained. So I put myself out there. I get that. I totally get that. But I'm just a commoner. You know, I, I'm not rich. I'm far from rich. Yes, I live in California, but I don't live in Beverly Hills. You know, it's, it's, I'm nothing special. And I've said this from day one. I'm nothing special. I just do what I do to entertain people and entertaining people makes me happy. So that's why I do it. And you know, this I've dealt with the stalker. The stalker kind of came in last year and they're, they're wanting money essentially. And I'm like, go away. And they literally called CPS on me because I refused to give them money. I'm like, no, go away. And then, so I went through the whole avenue of, you know, blocked them on my Facebook and my Twitter and my Instagram. And eventually they just went away. And they've been gone for, I want to say almost a year. And now, because of the. The deals that I've got going, you know, with PCE, and then I have this big thing that's being promoted right now for next week, you know, with with uh, Sid Vicious interview, and my book's coming out. So my name is circulating more on the internet, and I actually opened up uh, in public, you know, so more people can see what I, I do. But that was a mistake, Because though I had the stalker blocked, they've recruited other people to do their bidding, which blows my mind. I mean, it absolutely blows my mind. I don't know this person from Adam, and they're harassing me about something they have no clue what they're even talking about. It's secondhand information. You know, each story has its own side. And I, again, I'm nobody, I'm nobody special. I'm just an average guy. If you saw me walking down the street, reality is you probably wouldn't even recognize me. It's just, that's the way it is, you know? And I was laughing because I was talking to other, you know, several people about this today. In fact, one of the, one, one of the people that I was talking to was like, you know, you should, you should just put it out there and get it off your chest because this is your, your open venue to who you are so this is what's happening this is why i'm putting it out but we were talking and and i was like yeah you know why couldn't i get like some sexy foreigner stalker not some like 90 year old crack addict you know it's just like why why do i why why can't i have something that at least i'd be entertained you know i mean come on but um so I, I have uh, all my my social media blocked again, you know, and um, if if you're someone who just happened to come through and they, you follow what I did on social media, but you never actually friended me, you just followed me, don't be shy. I will most likely, I mean, of course, I'm going to check into you, especially with everything that's going on, but send me a friend request. And we will become friends. Now I I have to mind everybody or remind everybody that if we're friends on social media, the likelihood of me interacting with you is very slim, especially right now. Um, Just because I've got so much on my plate. Uh, Like right now it is 10 30 at night, literally on the nose and we we, my girls and I, uh Jay, my son, he stayed behind, went and did some shopping. Um, my middle daughter, Zoe, starts school tomorrow. well, she starts second grade tomorrow, so we went out and we went shopping and got her supplies and whatnot. You know it, and it just blows my mind because I remember as a kid going and getting these supplies for myself. And I swear I remember like buying an eraser for twenty-five cents. And I I literally I stood there probably for at least a good five minutes staring at this regular pink eraser, which was like two dollars and fifty cents. I'm like, it's it's two dollars and fifty cents for an eraser, you know, and I, I ended up spending a lot of money on simple supplies that I mean, of course, now they they give you, you know, oh, this is what your child needs for this cutting grade. So, you know, okay, fine. I want my kids to excel. And so I don't mind throwing out a few shekels, you know, to to try my best to do my part as a parent. But good Lord in heaven. You know, I mean, it was like. I know they don't I don't think they have them anymore. You know, those old folders, uh, the peachy folders. That we used to have, you know, back when we were kids, and we would draw all over them, and take the sports figures and turn them into whatever. Um, they they were what ninety nine cents, fifty cents, something like that. I mean, they were inexpensive. And now you have these similar folders. I mean, they they're not the peachy folders that I remember, but they're similar. I mean, but they're they're more of an off plastic than paper. And those silly things were like a dollar eighty nine. And, you know, Zoe's going to have multiple subjects going into second grade. She's going to have English and math. And and I believe they're going to start the social studies aspect of it. And, you know, so she's going to need multiple things. So just in folders, just in like little put in your folder and put into a big folder, I think I dropped like 10 bucks just on folders. And it was just absolutely insane. I, I and I. I. I'm like, Oh my God, how much is it going to cost by the time? My, my youngest Lily is, you know, it's time for her to go to school. Now she's got one more year. She'll be five next year. And so she'll start school next year. And, um, it'll probably happen the way it happened with Zoe because both my girls are September girls. And what, what happened with Zoe was Zoe's birthday was in September. So though she would have turned five in August, um, she wasn't old enough. So she started TK of because Zoe, we'll see, I'm trying to figure it out. It's, um, you have to be, you have to be four for less than a month. And school had started on the eighth, Usually it's between the 7th and 8th of August and Zoe's birthday was the 27th so it was still too too much of a gap so they made her do transitional kindergarten TK and they'll probably do the same thing with Lily because of uh her being a September baby as well Speaking of Lily um one of the things that I've been kicking around and I would like to to hear people's feedback on this is you know A lot of people may not know this, but I think general knowledge is is that J. Zoman of the J. Zoman Dark Myth Company is my two kids of the three kids. And I named them because, well, I named the company J. Zoman. J as my oldest son, Jaden, and Zoe as my daughter, Zoe, and Mon as our surname, Montoya. J. Zoman, Jaden Zoe Montoya. That's the name. And, obviously, it was created before Lily was born. It was created, in, uh, I think it was actually created officially in 2011 and then didn't go into effect until 2012. But, anyway, and then Lily was born three years later in 2015, September of 2015. And I've always felt bad about this. I've always felt, you know, because it's, I, I can't explain how I feel. It's It's just weird, you know. You know how do you say, I, especially now at almost a four-year-old? You know, yes, the company's named after your brother and your sister, but it's not after you. So I was trying to think of, you know, of, literally, this is not a joke. I was like thinking maybe we'll call it Jazelmon Lil or Lil Jazelmon or you know, little Jezel. I don't know. You know, I was trying to come up with an idea, and then I I came up with. An idea, and it, believe it or not, it, it came from like a student loan. Um, I was going through some papers, and I found a student loan. It was called Sally May, and it, it just hit me. It was like a, a a bag of bricks just dropped on me. I was like, "Oh, that's a great name." So I was thinking that for our nonfiction brand, because originally. Okay, this is kind of a fun story to tell, and I'll, I'll I'll tell this. I guess I got time. I mean, well, yeah, I got time. It's my network. It's my show. I can do what I want, right? <laughs> okay, so originally when my son was born, when I, yeah, well, actually it was before he was born. I, I created it in 1998, and we were producing newsletters. It was called Jaden Small Press. I have always known for, well— not always, but most of my adult life, I've known that my son would be named Jaden. I've always known it, you know, as an adult. And in 1998, I created a thing called Jaden Small Press, and we produced a monthly newsletter. Well, as it gone on, and Jaden was born, obviously, and and um, he, it was incorporated into the dark myth production studios in the early part of 2000 when we incorporated it was the non-fiction brand of the company and then i believe it was in 2013 he asked for it he legitimately asked for it he's like can i have that brand and i'm like why what do you want to do he goes i want to start my own company how do you tell your child no no Especially when they're following in your own footsteps, you know? So I legitimately signed the papers over to my 13-year-old son. Maybe a little bit older. I I could bring him in and ask him. Uh, In fact, next time I see him, I'll ask him. And then I'll make a little note on, not next week, but maybe the week after that, if you guys remind me. So anyway, I gave him the property Jaden Small Press. And with Jaden Small Press, he renamed it. Originally it was called Blue Stream, and he started developing characters and he stories and he started working on his own video game, and it became Bloodstream, like a stream of blood. I was like, "Oh, you're you're graphic. I like it." You know, so we went and we filed the paperwork and changed the name of uh, Jaden Small Press to Bloodstreams, and. As of right now, Jay has been working on this for many, many years. He's, again, like me, pretty much do the manual labor himself. But he's got an online game, and I believe, like a DLC game. If I'm, I'm probably saying it wrong because I'm not a gamer. Anyway, it's, it's supposed to be coming out sometime this year. Originally, it was supposed to come out like the seventh of, um. Of September, which I thought was kind of neat, because the sixth is the anniversary of the World of Myth magazine, and then the eighth is Lily's birthday. So it, you know, it would have been sixth, seventh, and eighth. There was something special. And, but again, him doing everything himself, and part of having autism is that OCD factor. So he just he keeps trying to make it more and more perfect, and and so he pushed it back more. And I don't know what the release is, but he's going to release his own online game called Bloodstream Battles. Anyway, that was, I digress, kind of. There's I just wanted to let everybody know what happened to that property name. So he took Jaden Small Press and changed it to Bloodstream Corporation. So I don't have a, a name for the nonfiction brand Of the company. And when I was going through some papers and I found that old Sally Mae thing, it it just hit me. And I'm like, I will name my nonfiction brand Lily Mae because that's her name, Lily Mae Montoya. And I just, it feels right. It sounds right. And I'm able to incorporate my third child into my world of business. And, yeah, and it just feels right. It really does, you know, and it would be absolutely awesome if one day she's like, can I have that brand? And much like I would do with, you know, as I did with Jay, I'd be like, here, this is yours. I I made this from you or for you. Go do it. And I, I, yeah, so that's that's kind of something special that. I've gone into lately. Um, I'm working on, gosh, I've got so many things going on right now. I would literally have to pull my book out and it's buried right now. So I really, but yeah, there's always uh, a possible new book always in the works. Uh, Let's see. I also, I had asked, you know, for a list of things to talk about and, they kind of hit me with a a list of things and I was like, okay, okay. I'll, I'll talk about that before I go into my, my standard spiel of, you know, uh, the, the movies, the TVs, the cartoons, the, the, the comic books. And then, oh my God, wait until you guys see what I've got for the toy of the week. My Lord it's beautiful. Um, so anyway, let's see, what else do I got on? Okay. Um, I mentioned this. If anybody doesn't know, you must be new <laughs> because I've been plugging this thing like crazy is February 8th, 2020 is the Jay Zulman's Pop Culture Expo in Victorville, California in the Valley High Toyota Pavilion, which is located inside the San Bernardino County Fairgrounds in Victorville, California. It is something that I just, it's, it's taken a life of its own. It it has, it really has. Um, you know, I, I, I thought it would be small. I, I honestly, when I first started it and I think I mentioned it and, and if you listen to back episodes, I've probably said, you know, I, you know, I don't, I'll get a small venue. I'll get, you know, a couple hundred people in there and call it scissors. You know, again, because I wanted to do the the um, the Hall of Fame thing, but it is it has progressed. I mean, I can confirm five celebrities, and people are like, "Well, where? How are you getting your five celebrities?" And let me throw out a a, a pitch to Steve Joyner, who is the promoter. He's he's been the one who has been helping me get uh, clientele. And how I've been picking my clientele, my celebrities, is that it's Pop Culture Expo, okay? It is a celebration of pop culture from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. Well, you're like, well, why? Because I was born in the 70s and grew up in the 80s and the 90s. So that is kind of affecting me, okay? That's that's legitimately why I've, you know pick that and and of course their pop culture comic books fall in the pop culture so comic books are relevant and will be there'll be vendors there you know and i've been on the phone this week with a gentleman who is a artist for marvel who draws the x-men and everybody knows how much i love the x-men um i've put out and if anybody can help me in this this realm, I, that's why I'm going to say his name. Is I've been trying to get a hold of Chris Claremont. Um, I I got a hold of his rep and said, "Look, this is what we're doing. Tell me how much it will cost me to get him out here, you know, because I I want him to be my my professional writer." Okay, that's that's. Uh, but I haven't heard back, and it's it's kind of like the the whole. Um, I'm not even going to mention that, but yeah, it, it's, I've, I've put out some, some feeds to hire celebrity um management and they've got their heads so far up their ass that they think they're too good. And I'm talking about their managers, not the, not the celebrities themselves, but the managers like, Oh, I'm the manager of such and such. How dare you talk to me? At all. You're not rich. You're not going to have, you know, Comic-Con numbers of a, what What was it, uh, over 100,000 people? How dare you talk to me? You know, I've got it. I've seriously got a lot of that. But anyway, um, so I can confirm five celebrities. And I'm going to pitch it to, go to Facebook and type in Jay Mons Pop Culture Expo, and you'll find it. I mean, it's it. I'm trying to drive traffic there anyway, so yeah, go go check that out. Um, let's see. Let me. I'll give you the address. I'm actually online right now, so let's see. Pop Culture Expo. Uh, see, because originally. I'm not too swift on certain things on Facebook because I just I I use it as a a business tool. I really legitimately don't um I, I'm not much I don't get on the internet and play a lot. I I just I don't. I've never been that type of person. Um so you can go to Facebook.com slash culture expo and click like. This is where you can be able to buy, um, you know, the tickets. You'll be able to buy tickets there. The, uh, pop culture expo. Well, it's actually the, uh, Jay pop Expo.com. I'm building the site as we speak and you'll be able to buy tickets there as well. But that hasn't launched. Um, but let's see, where do I start? Good Lord. Um, Oh, you know, the fun thing is, is, is like, okay, well, wait, I'm getting way too ahead of myself and I'm sorry. I am. Um, Okay. So Eddie Deason, Eddie Deason is an actor. He was in Greece. He was Eugene in Greece. He was the very first uh, computer nerd in war games and he was the voice of Mandark in Dexter's laboratory. He is confirmed. He will be there. Okay. Sam Quasson, voice actor. He did Donald Duck. He's done uh, Little Quacker from Tom and Jerry. He's a regular, from what I understand, on Robot Chicken. He is confirmed. He will be there. Okay. Um, Carl Gottlieb, who is just... He's written... <laughs> uh, I laugh because he's actually... hes Scheduled to be interviewed by Stephanie Barty. And if anybody knows Stephanie Barty, if you followed her on the World of Myth, bitch, you know how much she hates Jaws. Not like, ew, I hate the house. No, not like that, but it scared the living bejesus out of her. But she's going to sit down and do a live podcast at PCE with Carl Gottlieb, who is the screenwriter of Jaws. And we're going to celebrate it because Jaws turns 45, and we were able to jump in on that. So he is confirmed. He will be there. Another one that I'm very excited to have is Lisa Wilcox. I just sent her a revised copy of the contract, but she will be there. And if you don't know who she is, her main claim to fame is she's Alice from the Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4 and Part 5. Okay, um, huge. Anybody that knows me knows I absolutely love Nightmare on Elm Street. And it just blows me away that I'm personally going to get to meet her. Um, but she's going to be there. She is confirmed. And celebrity number five, which I I mean, I, I was like, I can't believe this. I really legitimately cannot believe this. From Kevin Smith's Clerks. Veronica herself, Marilyn Gigliotti will be at PCE February 8th, 2020. Is that awesome? Is that awesome? I mean, you know, it's, it's like, I try not to get overwhelmed with everything that's going because I didn't expect it to blow up the way it did. And it is blowing up and it's taking the life of its own. And I do feel overwhelmed sometimes. And I mean, it's good that I have the management in place that I have, especially with like the World of Myth, because the World of Myth is coming up on its 15 year anniversary. And I'm so knee deep in PCE that Stephanie, who is now the new editor in chief and congratulations to Stephanie, by the way, well deserved. um, She is pretty much doing this whole entire anniversary issue on her own, you know, pulling it all together. While I'm over here dealing with something else and it, it legitimately has taken a life of its own. And it is so amazing because I just put it out there last year. Last year was the original concept. And I, and if you go, I think it, it's called the birth the PCE or something like that. I called, uh, when I talked about how I came up with the idea of, of pop culture expo, you know, originally it came up with last year when I went to Comic-Con Revolution, I told my brother Randy, you know, this is something we could do. And then we we're like, oh, yeah, you know, blah, 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 went off. And then I, I mentioned it to somebody else, and they're like, are you stupid? You live in the high desert. Nobody, everybody up here isn't going to, you know. And I was like, ah, you know, that, that kind of squashed my dream. But the people that I've talked to already are just so excited that there is going to be this type of event in our area. Nobody has done it. And that's because of naysayers like saying, oh, you're stupid because you can't do this. Because of where you live. It doesn't matter where you live. The want is there. People don't want to drive three hours to San Diego. People don't want to drive three hours to Las Vegas. You know, people don't want to drive an hour to Ontario. It's just, it's just the way it is. But to have it here in our backyard is being widely accepted by even the naysayers are coming and like, yeah, yeah, you're right. You're right. That's, that's amazing. That is amazing. Because I, as an individual, I as a human being, my biggest opponent in life is me, and it's my self-doubt. I self-doubt so much. I do. I, I've, I, it's been driven into my head. You know, and and I, I mentioned that before too. You know, it's just you, you're told that you're nobody and you're nothing for so many years and you start to believe it. And then when you realize that each individual person is somebody special and you move forward and you become your own person, it's still there in the back of your head. Oh, you can't do this. You're a loser. And yes, I do. I consider myself a, lo- a loser. And, and, and people, and I've, I've, I know, I know people are probably like, what? By that statement. But it's the truth. I consider myself a loser. I do. I'm a loser. I'm pathetic. I'm a nerd. You know? That's just... When I look at myself in the mirror, that's the feelings I get. And this type of event, being held by a loser that's just taking off and becoming its own creation, subsides that feeling. And I actually kind of feel like a winner. And even, if, even as I say these words, I, I hear it in the back of my head. No, you're not. And I think maybe that's why I work so hard at what I do. It's, it's not to prove to anybody else, but to me, that I'm not a loser, I'm a winner. And I push and I push and I push to prove to prove it to me. And I mean I I if I prove it to you, that is a great secondary reward. But it, it it's the the demons and the thoughts in my head, the ability uh, I don't know. I I have issues. I guess you know. I guess we all have issues. But it's it's that moment. There was a moment, and I haven't posted it up on Facebook. And I I might. I don't know if I'll paste, post it up on PCE page or my own personal page. There's a, a my my brother and I. We had to go back to the building, the the venue, and and do some more um, editing. Not editing, but measuring because. The paper that we were giving uh, given was not to scale, and in order to lay out a proper um, table arrangement, it has to be to scale. So I went out there with my brother in a hundred and eight degree temperature, and it was hot. Let me tell you, it was hot. But the lady who who signed the papers, you know, just to secure it that previous weekend. Um, she recognized me and she of course, trust me. <laughs> I hope so. After all that money I put down and she handed me the key and she's like, yeah, go, go do what you need to do. And I walked out there and I walked to the venue and I put the key in the door and I, and I turned it. And my brother again was behind me. He was recording it, the video. As I felt the the door turn and click, and as I opened the door, I felt like a winner. There was no doubt. There was no reservation. So far, everything on PCE financially has been me. And again, I'm nobody. I'm nobody special. I don't make a lot of money. I had to save. I literally had to save. I've I've been saving for a while, but I saved it so I could get the venue. And when I heard the click and I pulled the door open, I was like, I did it. And I, I know that's that's that might be a little too deep for this this, uh, this show. But that's just kind of some thoughts of of what's going on. And if you're in the high desert, I sincerely hope that you do come to PCE. We are going to have a cosplay contest for both adults and children. There's going to be autographs and photo sessions with the celebrities. And let me just tell you, we're not stopping at five. If we can book more, we're going to book more. There's, there's more people that we're in negotiation with, you know, and of course there's going to be the celebrity panels. There's going to be, um, like I said, um, there's going to be a Q and a with Carl Gottlieb. Uh, there's going to be a podcast with Marilyn Gigliotti, a live podcasts are, are being arranged as we speak. Uh, we are also working on vendors and multiple, not just comic book vendors, but everything that we can bring in. And it is February 8th, 2020, located at the San Bernardino Fairgrounds inside the Valley High Toyota Pavilion in Victorville, California. It's building number two. And one thing that I I want to also put out there is, you know, anybody that knows me knows that I'm very pro-autism awareness. My son is autistic. And I am issuing something that's called an SST, a sensory-sensitive ticket. And that's for anybody, whether it be autism, uh Down syndrome, schizophrenia, these are sensory sensitive issues that can't they just can't be around a lot of people. But that doesn't mean that they should be excluded from the event, from the good time, right? I mean, they're human beings. That's just something that fate has handed them. And they shouldn't be punished for something that they had nothing to do with, right? So what I'm doing is I'm issuing an SST, a sensory sensitive ticket, for one hour before the show even starts. Show starts at 10. They get to come in at 10 o'clock or no, 9 o'clock. They've got one hour, and I I went around. I walked around the venue to make sure that an hour is enough. And it is enough, trust me. To walk around, meet the celebrities they want to meet, buy the things they want to buy, experience the things that they want to experience in the expo. We're going to have peaceful music going on in the background. It's going to be calm. It's going to be sensitive. Two sensory issues. And I know if you're thinking. You know. This is just a ploy to make money. 100% of those tickets. 100% of those tickets. That the money that's made. Is going to the Autism Speaks Foundation. 100%. Okay. So. So. We've covered everybody. We want everybody. We want young. We want old. You know, speaking, I was just talking to S. Sadie Burbank, and I I don't know because we haven't done a podcast in a long time. But in the birth of the Jaisal Modcast podcast network was something called Win and Burbank, and it was uh my good friend S. Sadie Burbank and I, and we there's a, a quite a big age difference in Sadie and Lacey, my my wife, my late wife they were the best of friends and they actually did a podcast called don't get us started. But before then in 2012, we did a, a podcast called "Win in Burbank and we've, we've been, in fact, they, they are so close to, or they, her and her husband are so close to my family. Um, my kids called them grandma and grandpa and We were talking and she's like, I don't know if, you know, I can relate to what's going on because she's going to be 79. Her and and Lily have the same birthday. And I'm like, you know what? I've thought about that. And I want everybody. Now, one of the other reasons why I I picked Sam Quassman to come is because he's been on Bob Newhart. He's been on Mary Tyler Moore. And he... Attracts that generation. So even if it's just one individual. If you're in that realm. If you're in that age group. You can meet someone. That was there with you. And he's still working. So he's still a relevant actor. But he also carries that beauty. Of history with him. For the things that he's done. There's a great show. Or there's a great picture. I think on his fan page of him. And Lucille Ball. He got to work with Lucille Ball. Isn't that cool? So it's for everybody. It's for the young. The young. And it's Sam Quasman again. Little Quacker. He did Donald Duck. You know, he can... You, you go up there and you get him to do a voice. He'll do the voice for the kids. Or you go up there and you ask him, you know, how was Mary Tyler Moore? How was working with her? How was it with Bob Newhart being on his show? You know, it doesn't matter. We, we try to cover everybody. And it's a strategic move because I legitimately want everybody to have a good time. Now, as the promoter of PCE, I do realize I'm not going to have that opportunity because I'll be behind the scenes doing everything. And I'm okay with that. I'm totally okay with that. As long as you have fun you walk out of there and say you know that was worth 25 bucks you know we're also working on live wrestling event and that's a whole another we'll see maybe not this next week but the week after that maybe i'll have some news on that as well okay so with that said i hope to see you at pce there's more to be talked about um there are a lot more to be talked about, trust me. So moving to the next order of business. We now have a third place winner in the Open Contract Challenge. And if you've not heard of the Open Contract Challenge, Open Contract Challenge is simply I was going to publish a book. I decided I didn't want to publish it. It wasn't ready. But I had an open spot for publication schedule. And instead of just randomly making a deal with somebody and publishing their book, I decided to hold a contest. Originally it started with 50 contestants. There was poets, there was authors, there were, um, artists and everybody was invited. And the original rule, which will change probably next year was this was to, if you had published in the world of myth, you were invited to do this and 50 people put their hats in and now we're down to the finals but third place winner is walter g esselman he is third place and he he rocks he is such a cool dude um, I had an opportunity to talk with him the other day, and he's just he's a humble and cool dude, and I congratulate him on third place. So we come to the finals. Who is in the finals? Well, one of these two is gonna be a grand prize winner, and it is Jeff R. Young, Melissa Ridley Elms. And it's it's so neat because they're completely different, opposite perspectives. One is a novel, one is a poetry book. One of these guys are going to win. And again, if and it all kind of comes back to PCE. If you go into PCE, you're going to meet the winner of Open Contract Challenge. So we will find that out in the pages of the World of Myth, September 6th, which leads me into the World of Myth. World of Myth was started back in 2004, September 6th, 2004. That's why it's coming out this year, September 6th. It's a legitimate 15-year anniversary of the magazine that Terry Terry DeSheer and I started. If you have ever worked on The World of Myth, if you are a writer, a poet, an artist, a a movie reviewer, a book reviewer, any type of reviewer, I want you to submit. I want this to be a celebration of the magazine. Send it in. www.theworldofmyth.com It's the same address that it's been. For the last 15 years. You know where it's at. We want you. We want you. Your family. Let's just make this like a big family reunion in print. It's going to be offered. In the regular. E-zine format. It's going to be offered in the retro styled. Format. Which is what we used to use. In the original. The original format. For a buck. We'll download PDF so you can print that bad boy out or we're going to actually publish a physical copy of the magazine for the anniversary issue. And I can't say how much it is because I don't know how big it is yet. But once I know what is going into it, then I can send it to the printer and the printer can tell me how much, and then I can come back here and tell you what the price is going to be. So if, if you know the world of myth, if you're a writer, if you're a writer and you've never submitted to the world of myth, I still invite you. Come join the family. Because that's the way I see it. The world of myth, which is a part of the Jaiselmon Dark Myth Company, the Jaisalmon Dark Myth Company, to me, is another word for family. So come join the family. For the most part, we get along. It's fun. Sometimes we do have cookies on this side. But you never know unless you find out. com And... Or, you know what? Yeah, I mean, I do want you to go check it out if you've never been there, if you haven't been there in years. It's totally different, whole different whole different world, no pun intended. But if you have been there and you're just sitting and you're like, oh, I should do this, I should do this, I should be a part of this reunion, do it. Send your submission to Stephanie Barty, the World of Myth Editor-in-Chief, at Stephanie Barty, B-A-R-D-Y, Barty. At theworldofmyth.com She'll look at it. She'll review it. She'll tell you. She'll tell you if you make the grade. And then enjoy. and, and, And celebrate. You know? Terry's not here to celebrate with us. So you celebrate while you're still here. You have the opportunity. Terry doesn't. But you do. All right, gang. Um, let's see. I'm, I, I've just been yapping and yapping. As soon as I got I pushed start uh, recording, I just started talking. Um, I just I guess I had a lot on my chest. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of more things to come. I'm in the process of uh, a big advertising. Uh, agreement a deal and if you start seeing a, a monthly advertisement in everything whether it be the world of myth or the jazel modcast shows anything that has to do with the dark myth dark or the jazel dark myth company and you start seeing these ads on a continuum you'll know that uh, we've put this advertising uh, agreement to bed and that's it'll be huge so with that said and at 47 minutes i'm not done let's let's jump into our regular spiel this might actually be a two-hour show let's see how my pipes hold up let's see what happens all right first on the schedule yeah, I'm kind of committed actually now that I'm thinking about it, because I mentioned that um that toy. My god, it's gorgeous. But we'll get there. Okay, first one out of the bag is Kevin Conroy's Arrowverse Casting paves the way for Batman Beyond. Uh, anybody that doesn't know Kevin Conroy, he is the only true voice of Batman. And let's see what it says. Arrowverse. Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover is shaping up to be the superhero TV event of the century. Along with a plethora of confirmed appearances, now there's news that the legendary voice of Batman, Kevin Conroy, will be portray an older Bruce Wayne. Which is interesting because Kevin Conroy is really not that buff. i always seen an older, like um, uh, Michael Keaton. I I see Michael Keaton as like Batman beyond Bruce Wayne. That's, that's how I see him. Uh, It says it is the ultimate reward for Conroy as he is, as he's getting ready to play the beloved character in a live action production after so long behind the microphone, even the fandom, which never seems to agree on anything agrees that this is a fantastic move on the CW's part. That said, it could still get better than presumably a one-time appearance. Ooh. Okay. Let's see. It says, Considering Conroy's history with all things Caped Crusader related and the confirmation that he will play the older hero, there is a strong indication that his appearance could kickstart a Batman Beyond series on the CW. The Gillard trainer actor Gillard, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh yeah, well it's it's eleven fifteen at night now, huh? It's Juilliard. Oh my gosh. Okay. Juilliard. <laughs> the Juilliard act trained actor added more fuel to the fire by posting an artist rendition of him as the gray-haired Wayne and mentioning Batman Beyond by name on Twitter. Huh, cool. This isn't the first time Conroy hinted at the possibility of playing the role in a live-action show or movie, as he has expressed interest in the past. In 2017, when posed the question by, Hey, you guys! That's a Hey Arnold joke. If you don't get it, by the way, Um, if he'd ever consider suiting up as Batman, Conroy said it would be so much fun. No, at this point, I'd have to be old Bruce Wayne in Batman Beyond or something like that. As a great ambassador of Batman for 27 years, Conroy has voiced the character across cartoons, animated movies and even video games the Arrowverse crossover could realistically be the swan song or perhaps the next chapter in the legacy as the Dark Knight. Moreover, keep in mind that CW President Mark Powanski revealed that the, t- the Television Critic Association summer Pastor or that the network is looking to adapt new DC comic properties in 2021. Could Batman Beyond? Could it be? I mean, could it be Batman Beyond? That's pretty cool. I yeah yeah. I mean, if it's not gonna be a movie, if it's a movie, I'd say Michael Keaton. But if it's a regular ongoing series, yeah, let's do Kevin Conroy. That's yeah, let's do it, guys. Come on. Well, it isn't like the CW has ever or shied away from sci-fi, or superhero shows, and this crossover will be a good way to gauge the interest in the property. Yeah, why not? Let's do it. In the past, Arrowverse wasn't allowed to mention Batman on any of its shows or even hinted at the character's existence. Presumably, Warner Brother and DC felt that any television version of The Dark Knight would dilute the blockbuster movies. They seem to have taken a relaxed stance on the policy. However, as Batman has been mentioned numerous times in Arrowverse, while Gotham City and Batgirl are canon now. I've honestly not seen that. I don't know if it's any good or not. While it is unlike that you will ever see the CW Batman series starring Penn Bargley as the Titan hero, there's certainly a possibility the network will explore other Dark Knight Terry McGinnis. After all, he's due for a comeback of sorts on screen, right? There's talk of potential Batman Beyond animated movie a while ago, but... That provides to be nothing more than a wild internet gossip. Though many fans have clamored for a live-action film, it is unlikely happening. While the original Dark Knight remains a cash cow, he is. Yeah, Eh. Yeah. I mean, they they they've they've kind of screwed that up. The whole Batman thing. Um, they've pulled. Too many people out and, and, and in, and, and it's just it's kind of a mess. With Arrow coming to a close, there is certainly an opportunity for a big DC character to replace Oliver Queen as the new leader of the universe. There's a host of possibilities, and Crisis on Infinite Earths could hold the answer to the future of Arrowverse. For now, let's dream that Conroy's tenure as live-action Wayne won't be his last appearance and will signal a path to neo-gotham on the small screen that would just yes you know that yeah let's do it i mean i that's exciting to me um i've always liked kevin conroy i think he's an amazing actor and the fact that he i i, I yeah I mean, when you think Batman, you think Kevin Conroy, you do, you, uh, at least I do. You know The girls and I were just watching probably about a week or two ago, maybe even eh, maybe three weeks. We were watching Batman beyond on, uh, because I have the, the DC universe. I have a, a year's pass. And, um, we were watching the original Batman, the animated series with him. And it's just, it's yes, it's, not widescreen because it was in the 90s. But you know what? The stories and the animation is so stinking good that you forget that it's boxed off. It's really... I mean, the girls loved it. Zoe was so into it. And she wasn't happy. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. I went 2 or 3. And I was like, okay, it's it's too late. She's like, oh, come on. One more episode. It's it's really... If you've never... If you're... well. If you're new to the nerdum of comicdom and you've never seen Batman the Animated Series, you're doing yourself an injustice by not watching at least one series in your life and it's that one. It really is. Speaking of series, um, it says, How she and the Princess of Power sets up for Season 4. <sighs> Okay, I, I know I've been busy, guys. I know I've been busy. I get it. I get it. I get it. But didn't I just announce that Shira was even gonna be on Netflix this year? Didn't I mean honestly, didn't I do that? I don't think it was last year. I'm pretty sure it was this year. How are they on season four already? I that's just my question. But that's what it says. Season four. Uh Okay. Oh, I get to use my warning voice. Cool. It says, Warning! The following contains spoilers for She-Ra and the Princess of Power Season 3, streaming now on Netflix. Again, when did that happen? Because I remember announcing She-Ra coming to Netflix, and it only seemed like it was a few months ago. I, I don't know idK guys idK you can always email me and tell me what happened maybe I time traveled and didn't realize it no okay okay <laughs> uh, okay let me just get this done okay season three of Netflix Shira and the power princess of power focuses on adora discovering more about the Shira Mental and venturing into the crimson wasteland as Katara and Scorpia trail her. While there, she finally discovers background information on Mira and the first one as Hordak and the Interapapapa Interpa The Bond. Okay. And try to open a portal for more enemies to invade Athena. This leads to an epic Finale, where Hordak plans purges Athena into the ultimate alternate reality similar to Marvel's House of M, kill cool. to break everyone free. Queen Angela of Bright Moon sacrifices herself so Adora can use her well, her sword of power and restore reality, however. This sets up for an intriguing fourth season that could spell even more doom for the planet, thanks to a new villain. Inter Hordak Prime. Yeah, Hordak Prime. <laughs> In the season finale, The Portal, the closing sequence reveals that Hordak Prime has located Athena, and is planning to invade. Earlier in the season, we find out he is the true villain of the story, using his horde to conquer various planets, and is the reason Mara hides Athena away from the realm of Desperados. However, the dysfunction clone, Hordak, has marooned there as well, and has been trying to bring the Horde over to the back, to get back, in Prime's good grace. Okay. Uh, yeah, okay. That's interesting, right? I mean, it, it, sure. I still want to know where Season 2 and... can't. I mean, it, Well, Season 3 ended, so what happened to Season... Where did Season 2 and 3 come from? That's what I want to know, damn it. Come on now. All right, jumping C.B. Subdensky. Vision for X-Men, has fans Marvel EIC, which is editor-in-chief. Now, as I scroll down, I'm nervous because I know C.B. Not personally, but I know of him. I know he's a fantastic writer. And I'm guessing now, after reading this, he's Marvel's EIC, Editor in Chief. Okay, let's fingers crossed. Let's hope it's good. Um, It says CB Subuliski. I'm I know I slaughtered that name, and I'm sorry. I just call him CB. Has been on the job as Marvel Comics Editor in Chief for over a year but some of the bigger pieces of his editorial vision for the X-Men line are now just now coming to light. For example, is the Jonathan Hickman-led revival of the X-Men in the House of X and Power X series, which represents the first major long-term X initiative for Marvel since their legendary rebranding in 2017. During an extended interview at Comic-Con International San Diego, he explained to CBR how his approach to the job editor-in-chief has itself evolved since his return to Marvel New York office full-time. To come in and put my arms around the line and the team and everyone that's there in this day and age, hasn't been easy, to be honest with you, he said. The first day I got on the job, there was a letter from Joe Cozada, like one president passing a letter to the next. Joe left a very nice note about what he learned as editor-in-chief and what advice I should take. It was really like, make your own mark Make your mark. Oh gosh, I'm I'm sorry guys. Let's try this one more time. Mark your make your mark on your own. Don't look at the generations who have gone before. Keep what they did in mind, but you have to keep taking Marvel Comics in line with your own vision. Okay. Uh, not necessarily that I actually agree with it, but okay. Sabinsky also has found a one-sentence way to explain his editorial vision. Being the editor-in-chief who brings the fans' experience to the forefront, the way I always saw it was Joe was always referred to as the artist's editor-in-chief. Axel Alonso was a great story editor and he was the writer's editor-in-chief for me people have been saying offhandedly you're the fans editor-in-chief because i grew up a fan i never stopped reading comics i never had that lapse from when i was six years old until now i never stopped being that wednesday warrior no matter where I was in the world or living at the time. Wow, that's hardcore. The two things I really focus on is telling stories from the heart. Telling stories I'd want to read as a reader and as a fan. And then also, in order to move forward in the future, we cannot forget the past We have to look at what other writers and other creators did and find a path that respects their previous comics, that builds upon the stories that were there to move us into the future for the line. The transition has been a long one, with Sabinski only finally passing off the responsibilities of his previous job at the company during an international trip, The week before the annual Comic-Con, working with the team, being in the office day-to-day in the grind, and making comics is what I was born to do, and what I love doing, and I couldn't be happier doing it, he said. Before I became Editor-in-Chief, I was the head of Marvel Asia, and after I became Editor-in-Chief, there was connections I had to deal with and had and deals in place that I had to see through and pass on to the next wave of people who are taking over. This was the last trip over to make sure everything was settled. Finish up a Chinese talent search that we were on and finalize a couple of manga deals we've been working on. That's some good artwork. Who is that? I'm just scrolling down. Dustin Weaver. Dustin Weaver, if you just happen to stumble across this, job well done. Great artwork. Now that his focus is entirely on American publishing line, the first priority has been reestablished the X-Men's prominence in Marvel Comics. X-Men, for me, is the book that I started with. It's where my heart is. I am an X-Men guy through and through. No-nonsense and no offense to the Avengers or Fantastic Four fans, I love everybody, but X-Men is the book that spoke to me when the most when I was younger, as a reader, and the characters I have the most affinity for and Jonathan is the same way when I came back, and he came in with this crazy idea. It wasn't just say, "Hey." There are these 12 issues I want to do to kind of reimagine the X-Men. It was, here is a plan I have that could go a minimum of three years, and as long as we need it to go based on how things do. That's the kind of thinking that Jonathan always had, and he's had success with. And I knew it was the kind of thinking we need to apply to the X-Men. And the thing about the Powers of X and the House of X stuff is that there's been a lot of term thrown out there about it. It's a reboot. It's a relaunch. It's a rebranding. It's really none of that, he explained. We don't really do that. Everything that happened in X-Men up to Matt Rosenberg's Uncanny X-Men 22 was a part of the plan. We've been building this for two years with the writers, everybody knew where this was going, and that their tenure tenure was going to end. And at that, they were contributing to this story that Jonathan was telling, putting places or putting pieces in place that were going to be needed. So, what happened in Matt's twenty-two is going to directly influence what Jonathan has planned. That's what people don't understand. And Jonathan has said in interviews, he's building on everything that came before. From what Stan Lee to Dave Cochran did to what Chris Claremont and John Bryce did. And what Jim Lee and Joe Mad did. Not a rare. Everything is still there. Everything still happened. This is taking it to the next level. What's the next evolution of the X-Men? We've been through all these different things, feared, the hated, the whatnot. Jonathan is saying, what's that next step, which is futurism? It's going to really blow people's minds with not just what's going with the X-Men as characters, but as mutandom and the X-Gene and all the science behind the X-Men as a whole. Marvel revealed over the show's weekend that in the wake of the 12-part Hickman-written storyline, a number of classic X titles will soon relaunch. And while he didn't get into specifics, Sabinski did lay out the term of how those books are greenlit. We can't forget those legacy titles, because those are the bread and butter of what makes A part of Marvel's storyline that fans recognize and put their dollar forward for, he said. In the future, there could possibly be some of those titles that also possibly some new titles. Jonathan has a very far-reached plan, and there is a lot of new stuff we're introducing. We hope fans embrace, but we're never going to forget those titles fans knew and love and the legacy numbering that goes along with them. They want those issues in their long box as continuous. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. That was one of the things that just drove me absolutely insane. And and that was like one of the big things of why I stopped collecting comics was because they, they rebooted and they relaunched and yes, I'm using those words, even though I read that and they restarted the number count over and over and over. And it just got, Irritating, so I'm glad that they're bringing it back. Uh, let's see where I was at. Uh, long boxes as a continuous, and I want those issues too. We're not going to forget about that. Good, very good. So that is very exciting news. Uh, I I wish him the best, and hopefully, I don't know if it's good. I'll I'll. Pshh. Heck yeah, I'll jump back into the X-Men. You know I will. I've been an X-Men fan since 1987. So, yeah. Bring me back. Bring me back to Marvel. Make me a Marvel head one more time. One more run. Okay. Uh, Yeah, like I said, this has gone over an hour. I know um, it's uh, kind of a little unusual, but... You know, it's uh, I had a lot to say on a personal level, and now we're just going through our usual run of comic news, comic nerd news. Uh, though this is my last bit of news, and then we'll talk about what I've picked out for toy of the week. Okay, here we go. Disney confirms Disney Plus, ESPN Plus, and Hulu bundle pricing. Now, I haven't read this yet, and I pray because i already i i number one i don't care about espn plus i have wwe network (laughs) that's that's pretty much as much i'm getting into sports as wwe network Um, and i have hulu so let's see what it looks like here we go ready last story of the day A rumored media package bundling Hulu, Disney Plus, and ESPN Plus was confirmed today by Disney CEO Bob Inger during the company's quarterly earning call. The bundle will be available for purchase on November 12th, the same day Disney Plus Streaming Services launch, and will be priced at $12.99 a month. As a bundle? No, really? Really? That can't be right. Let's keep reading. That's cheap. If if they're doing Hulu, Hulu, Disney Plus and ESPN for 12.99 a month, that is insanely cheap. Rumors of the media bundle first broke in April. Though a price was not established at that point, presently Disney Plus will cost 6.99 a month per month when it launches later this year. Hulu tiers include in a bundle will be service ad supported. Yeah, well, that's what we, you know, that's the way it is now is, you know, you have your ads in Hulu, uh, which is currently priced at $5.99 a month. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, there you go. I mean, uh, 7 bucks for Disney Plus, that is, that's actually a really good price. Wow. And then, of course, ESPN is five bucks. ESPN Plus is five bucks a month. Okay. Disney became, became Hulu's controlling shareholder in May, where months after the media company paid seventy-one billion dollars to acquire Twentieth Century Fox assets, and the company shares its streaming service. Disney already has lofty plans for Hulu as it announced two Marvel live-action series during the Supernatural Warriors, Ghost Hunter and Damien Hellstorm. Huh, I did not know about that. I've been way too busy. I'm going to get my nerd card revoked. Disney also plans to bring a slew of adult-oriented animated series to the stream in the form of... Marvel's Mordock, Marvel's Hitmonkey. Hitmonkey. Okay. Marvel's Tigra and Dazzler show. Ooh. Ooh. Dazzler. I like Dazzler. And Marvel's Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck. I actually own. <laughs> they don't have it out on Blu-ray, but I do own Howard the Duck on DVD. <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. I know people hated it, but I loved it. The studio also recently announced that superheroes Sh- Cloak & Dagger would appear on Hulu's hosts- hosted Runaways. I watched like three, maybe four episodes of that one. I just couldn't get into it. The duo are currently the focus on their own series on freedom. Also owned by Disney. Disney owns everything. Disney Plus is a company upcoming streaming service that looks to combine all things Disney and Marvel into one place, including films like Captain America, Captain Marvel, and the upcoming WandaVision. Eh, Eh, that's cute. WandaVision. It sounds like a... You know, special WandaVision, but it's supposed to be Wanda and Vision, but it's WandaVision. Yeah, sorry, I'm getting tired and goofy. And Loki, ESPN Plus offers additional sports content to complement ESPN, as well as a selection of live and recorded sports events. I'm probably going to drop the cash. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I I if I have DC universe, yeah, I'm most likely going to drop the cash for Marvel. Well, DC. But, you know, also in a, in all ret- and and being truthful, you know, it it not only will I be able to geek out on these Marvel shows, but the girls will have Disney, and that'll be really fun. Okay, now we're switching gears and we're going to the story of the week. Story of the week. Jesus. We're not in a world of myth. I'm sorry, guys. It is the toy of the week. Um so how I picked this one is as I was looking through, believe it or not, I was looking at the big bad toy story. Toy store. I need to stop and go to bed. <laughs> I was looking at the big bad toy toy store facebook page and i was scrolling and scrolling just and that's what i do is i scroll kind of fast and if something catches me then i stop and i saw this picture and at first i thought it was a cgi picture because that's the way it looked like and what it is is it's an elf female soldier buryana. Black Armor Deluxe 1-6 scale figure. And it's by KY Workshop. And it is absolutely gorgeous. I Again, I thought it was a CG rendering, but it's actually a figure. And it's uh, the female elf soldier. She's in the black and gold armor. She's holding like a transparent Blue, I want to say like a almost like a, if it were to be real, maybe like a, um, like an electric sword, maybe something, something similar to a lightsaber, but more transparent. Um, It kind of reminds me of Psylocke's side daggers, but they're bluish green instead of pink and purple. And I'll scroll down and find out, but there's a black Panther behind her. And it looks like in each picture, the black Panther is with her. So I'm figuring the black Panther is part of it. And she's got a really cool headdress on too. That's cool. You can take it off. Uh, I know some people are into pulling their, their figures out of the box And displaying them. And this is definitely one of those ones that you can display. Uh, It says, product description ready for battle with her twin blades. The elf female soldier Buriana figure features a lifelike sculpture, rooted hair, and a seamless body. Buriana can be displayed with or without her battle battle helmet atop a wildness-themed base. The deluxe version includes the Battle Panther. Ah, okay, so you got to get the deluxe version to get the Black Panther. Product features 1-6 scale, made of plastic, uses a TB League female seamless body with, skeleton, with metal skeleton, highly articulated, rooted hair, removable armor, with two blades, can connect to make one weapon, wildness theme wilderness oh my god wilderness themed base box content the elf female soldier bariana figure two laminescent weapons okay i guess that's what you can call it a helmet neck collar shoulder armor chest armor back armor abdom abdominal armor two leg rings four hand guards Skirt armor, leg armor, shoes, cloak, arm sleeves, platform, and the panther. And while, yes, this is, uh, let's see, what we've got some things that I need to read over here. It says, pre-order notes, arrival date is an estimate and not guaranteed. This item requires a down payment when you check out. Balance is due when the item is available to ship. And standard grade, this this item is brand spanking new. And mint condition packaged is, uh, in case, fresh, but may have flaws suitable to display in package or to open. And, yes, I know this one's going to be expensive. And, you know, my buddy Mario Martinez, the guy who got me into this, he just got a uh, John Wick and maybe I maybe I'll bring him on and we we'll, can we can talk about that. Um we'll talk about that soon maybe. Anyway, down payment is a non non-refundable down payment of $69, but the overall price is $344.99 and it is estimated for the arrival of the fourth quarter of this year. And Right now, the standard edition is the only thing available. And, and you can go to www.bigbadtoystore.com and up in the upper right hand corner, type in Elf Female Soldier Mariana, B U R R Y N A, Black Armor Deluxe one six scale figure and it'll take you right there it is just it's amazing like i said every shot that they've taken looks like it's cgi rendered it looks like one big cgi picture absolutely gorgeous all right gang i am finished for the day i hope you don't mind this long edition of my public life as an american nerd Come back next week, we have a huge, huge, huge guest, literally he's like six foot seven, three hundred and twenty pounds. uh If you're a wrestling fan, you will not want to miss this. My guest next week is the ruler of the world, said vicious, so come on back next week. And I will ask him the questions that nobody else has. Trust me, I've got it planned. So until next week, for my public life as an American nerd, I am David K. Montoya, and as always, I bid you adieu.